0: Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, all, and thank you for joining us for another podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by Dr. David Reed of Rocky Ridge Consulting, LLC, Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Ree. I would like to have you introduce yourself and give us some of your background.
1: Well, I'm a veterinarian. I uh, originally came to Wisconsin in 1973 to a three person dairy practice. I was in that practice, expanded to four, uh, was in that practice for about 15 years. And then I left the practice, still stayed in the same town, Hazel Green, Wisconsin, and started my own consulting business uh, based basically involving milk quality, but of course that involves a whole lot of other things other than just the parlor or the milking equipment and and the milking techniques. So uh, since then uh, I've done that continuously with a break for about eight years where I worked for BOMATIC, eight and a half years, uh, and then back to normal regular consulting after I left BOMATIC in 2011.
0: So today we're going to discuss that although mastitis is often thought of as an issue that begins in the milking facility, It really begins outside of the milking parlor in the back of the barn. So what are your thoughts on this theory?
1: Well, the mastitis is a relatively simple disease. It really relates to the number of bacteria on teats when units are attached. So the cleaner the cows come to the parlor, then the the less bacterial numbers and the lower mastitis level. Uh, And we know that we can't always completely sanitize the teats in the parlor no matter how well we prep cows. So our goal is to then bring cows as clean as possible to the parlor to minimize uh, mastitis and to make it easier for the milk harvest technicians to perform the tasks uh, required to milk uh, efficiently and and also to, to milk in a way that we can maximize the milk production from the cows.
0: So when moving cows to the parlor, what do you suggest to keep cows as clean as possible?
1: Well, the number one thing we need to be thinking about is that when we're bringing cows to the parlor is that we want those cows to move slowly. If they're moving slowly, they tend to pick their feet up more. There is less manure splash where when cows move quickly, they tend to not pick up their feet, push their feet forward quickly, And we end up with manure being splashed either onto their bellies or the cows in front of them, the back of their legs, onto their feet. And we just end up with more bacterial numbers on the teats because of that. So the rule number one is to move cows slowly uh, so that we're not causing them to speed up and create more manure splash. This is particularly important where cows have to make a, a sharp, like a right turn or a left turn, from a, say, a, an alleyway in the freestall barn into a main street area. If those cows are pushed hard, they'll pick up speed and we'll see more uh, splashing because in those particular areas, right at the opening of the pen to the main street area, typically is going to be the most manure that we see in that pen. And typically it's going to be in the feeding alley, but even the uh, transfer, the Regular alley on the other side. If it's a, it, it can also have a significant amount of manure, just simply because cows don't have to move as far into the pen. So, moving cows slowly at the corners extremely important to minimize manure splash.
0: Often, when moving cows, people are involved. How can we handle cattle properly so it's a positive interaction?
1: Well, number one is we we need to maybe reevaluate the way we do things. So, yelling at cows whistling at cows, using something to what I would call a cow persuader, whether it's a stick or a towel or or anything, we need to get away from those things. We need to understand that our normal speed, a person's normal speed is faster than what's comfortable for a cow. So by instructing people on a few of these basic things in dairy stockmanship, we could move side to side across alleyways to slow our pace down that's to move the cows in a more appropriate manner and more comfortable for them. Again, the slower they move, the better, we're gonna have the cleanliness level in the parlour. The other thing is that by restricting the whistling, the yelling and the hitting, then we're gonna have those cows more calm. So a calm cow is gonna be much more conducive to the conditioned effect of milk letdown that it's going to occur in the parlour. If that cow has a negative interaction, Within a half hour of the time she's prepped and the unit's attached, it will have a negative impact on her overall milking performance for that particular milking. So understanding basic dairy stockmanship is extremely important. And there are very, a very large number of good resources on the internet that people can get, many of them in Spanish, uh, that can be used and to train people to better handle the cows in a more appropriate manner.
0: But let's now focus on the freestall facility. How should we evaluate cows when they are getting up from their stalls to see how we can make improvements?
1: Well, I think one of the most important things is to know is that when cows go to get up, they tend to rock up on, they move up on their elbows and their front legs, and then they put their head down and push their head forward if possible to take some of the weight of the room and forward, and then their back legs straighten up and the rear leg, the rear of the cow comes up. At that point, the cow, if she's totally comfortable and the stall is appropriate, she basically makes a stepping action with her front feet to rise up and then she's fully standing. But in many cases, if the neck rail is too low, if there are issues with the design of the stalls, then when those cows tend to go to get up, the rear end comes up normally. But then they may, they may actually have to push back and make a straight up motion on their front, which is more difficult for them, puts more stress on the rear joints, on the rear legs, and can create issues with cows uh, not wanting to lay down uh, as quickly as they may want, as you would like them to, so that we are going to probably decrease the amount of lying time if cows are telling us they're not comfortable when they get up. When that happens, it's gonna reduce our, not only our, our, you know, the lying time, but that has a very negative impact on the amount of milk that a cow may be able to produce. So increasing lying time will always increase milk.
0: What are your recommendations for an ideal stall? So in terms of width, um, rail heights and some of those other factors?
1: You know, there's there's a tremendous amount of information out there about free stalls. But to me, there's some, some things that are very important that I've noticed over the years. And and one of the goals is to get cows to lie straight in the stalls. And one of the best design features for that is to have a cantilever stall. So, in other words, there's a top rail, a bottom rail, and it's sloped at the back to avoid most of the bony structures of the cow. So we'd like to see that bottom rail about 18 inches off the surface of the bed. And some people would say, well, that's not very good, Reed. But if that rail is in that position when the cow lays down, she sees that rail, it encourages her to lay straighter in the stall. When that happens, then we can have a brisket locator, and there's going to be some debate about that dimension, but somewhere between 66 and 68 inches is probably appropriate for most cows. The stall width, you know, we see still a lot of stalls that are 45. Uh, New barns typically are in the 48 range. Some barns have gone wider. I think if you get the cow to lay straight, Even a 45-inch stall probably is going to work pretty well, and especially for jerseys. So that brisket locator, the side rail is probably the most important thing, and the height of the neck rail, which should be located, say, two to four inches on the cow side of the midpoint of the brisket board and should be in that 47 to 49-inch range, depends on the bed. If it's a sand bed, we tend to keep them a little bit higher just so that as we fill the sand and the sand moves down, uh, we're still in good
0: shape. So the cows are laying comfortably in their stalls. What are some best practices to evaluate and then make improvements with bedding?
1: Well, the first thing to do is to spend some time actually watching the cows. Uh, how do the cows get up as we described? And then the other thing is, if in many dairies, when the someone comes out, a cow mover comes out to bring cows to the parlor, they have to ask a lot of cows to get up. That should be a signal that the stalls are really not comfortable. And you say, well, geez, Reed, they're laying down. Well, they are, but in many cases, the stalls are not as comfortable as they should be. The cows take much longer to lie down than you'd like to see. And then they don't want to get up once they're laying down. So if you have to get a lot of cows up when you're getting ready to bring them to the parlor, probably says your, cow, your stalls aren't real comfortable. The other thing to do is to just walk into a stall stand there and then just drop to your knees. What does it feel like on your knees? Are your knees wet? You know, is it soft enough that that cow is going to be willing to lay on it? So we can think about all kinds of bedding and we could have a huge discussion about what's the best bedding. Probably most people are going to say sand, but we see dairies using all kinds of bedding and, and more and more probably we're seeing organic bedding either from a digester or manure processing or some different kind of a way than we have been seen in the past. But the secret for cow comfort is to have a base of four to six inches of relatively soft material that's gonna cushion the weight of the cow and encourage her to lay down. And then if we have the right stall design, we have that cow lying straight. And if she does pass manure when she's down, it's gonna be into the gutter and not onto the bed of the stall. So if you look at your stalls and you see piles of manure basically underneath the dividers in most cases, that's also telling you that the cows are not lying straight. So improving how those cows lie straight, you know, simply using some vertical two by sixes and a few stalls to see if that's going to encourage cows to lie straighter could be a practice that could be instituted to say, hey, can we make encourage our cows to lay straighter and to lay down more? And if you make some minor changes to your stalls, evaluate before and after so you know, are the cows saying the stalls are more comfortable with the change you've made? And that may be just as simple. I mean, I've seen sand bedded stalls that bed once a week. Well, if you go to twice a day, twice a week or three time a week bedding, not any more sand, but just putting new sand in more regularly, what you find is that the cows are going to lie down better, quicker after milking. And that in itself is going to be a positive thing for your dairy. So go watch your cows. That's number one.
0: How does improving bedding practices affect milk quality and production?
1: Well, sure. So, you know, we know that there's certain types of bedding that may grow bacteria. Uh, in particular, some of the Klebsiella's, uh would grow probably better in dried sawdust bedding. We know that some strep species are going to grow much easier in chopped straw. So the number and the kinds of bacteria uh, are definitely influenced by the bedding. Uh, So one of the things that we, when we think about bedding, and we can do bedding cultures and we can spend a lot of time and money doing that, but we can also say, what are the, when, when we look at how bacteria grow, they need three things. They need food, they need heat, and they need moisture. Well, we're not gonna get away from the food because almost every bedding we use with the exception of sand, but once it has some manure tracked into it, there's gonna be some material then, food for bacteria to grow. And we know that the cow's gonna heat it up when she lays down. So our single best control method is what's the moisture level. So if we have the moisture level in the right range and minimize the moisture, especially if you're bedding with organic bedding. So whether it's sawdust, straw or manure solids, if we can hold that moisture level to a minimum level, Then we're going to find that if in that minimum level is going to vary a little bit, but we're probably going to be in no greater than, you know, 55% or 60% on the upside with some of the organic beddings. When we maintain the moisture at a lower level, we inhibit or we make it more difficult for the bacteria to grow. So if you're using, you know, and there are free stalls with mattresses with not a lot of bedding, but if you use a broom on those surfaces to dry it off and then repositioning bedding, that in itself can make a big difference on the mastitis level on a particular herd. So evaluate the moisture level. That's probably one of the key things that we can look at.
0: What about overcrowding? How does that affect milk production and how can you minimize overstocking?
1: Minimizing is just deciding that you're not going to get to a certain level of overcrowding. And there, the literature has some uh, variety or, or various uh, levels of acceptable overcrowding. Obviously the best way to be would be one bed, one cow. Probably at the 10% level can work reasonably well, particularly in three time a day milking where cows would be moved to the parlor and, and, and commingled and mixed in that pen and uh, cows can then find a bed and find uh, feed bunk space and that sort of thing on a more frequent basis. Past 10%, there's going to be some uh, reduction probably in milk production, uh, probably due to line times. The other thing that we always forget about is when we overcrowd those barns, we actually increase the amount of manure. And so if we increase the amount of manure, then we're going to increase the the, the number of bacteria on teats when they come back to the parlor. So the manure splashing becomes more of an issue. Just manure management becomes a harder issue. Uh, simply, on scrape barns, for instance, if there's if we increase the level of stocking and haven't instructed the people that are cleaning that barn with a scraper, we may see what I call a tsunami where we get enough manure that we push a wave of manure into the back of the stalls. So those kinds of things, again, go into your barns, carefully observe what's happening and how can you keep things cleaner than they are now? And overstocking will always probably result in dirtier cows and dirtier stall beds. So be aware of that. There's a negative that's very big and it's hard to see sometimes, but go look.
0: So we know that properly cooling cows is important, but what about ventilation strategies and proper fan maintenance? How large of an effect are those factors?
1: Put it this way, if I had a a, big, when I look at reports that I write to dairies when I'm evaluating those dairies on a walkthrough, it is almost... it, almost every dairy, ha- I have a discussion with them about cleaning their fans more frequently. Once that fan gets a buildup of dirt and debris on it, it's going to definitely impact the amount of air that that fan is capable of moving. And this is particularly important in the holding pen area uh, where we have cows in close proximity and the heat generated by those cows can't get dissipated into the air as well as it might be in a freestyle barn. But maintaining fans properly. Uh, And making sure that if they are belted fans, that the belts are in good condition and that the pulleys are clean can make a huge difference on the comfort of those cows. And if we can increase the cow comfort, we're likely going to increase lying time. Remember that whenever a cow has an increase in body temperature, it's going to, she is going to want to stand and pant rather than lie down and make milk. Think about it that way. If they're, increase in their body temperature, they're going to stand and pant rather than lie down and make milk. So think about things you can do, go look at your barn, evaluate your fans and your cooling and say, what can we do to maximize this for a benefit of our cows?
0: What are your top recommendations for dairy owners to begin to prioritize to make changes in the back of their barns to improve their milk quality and production?
1: To me, the, the priority would be to Spend some time on a regular basis evaluating what's going on with your cows in your barn. Are there ways that you could bring cleaner cows to the parlor? And I mean that may be the bedding management, it may be the dairy stockmanship techniques that your people are employing. It can be any number of those kinds of factors that we've talked about. But go observe your cows, watch what's happening back there, and then say what can we change to bring cleaner cows more calmly. To the parlor and at more milkings in the course of uh, overtime. I mean, you're never going to have everything right on every milk, but the game is to have it more correct on more days than it is currently.
0: So we're now at the end of our conversation. But before we wrap up, what does an animal centered environment mean to you?
1: Well, it means that whenever we're doing anything on a dairy, we're asking ourselves, why are we doing this particular thing? In other words, Do what's best for the cows. What can you do on your farm to make cows more comfortable, to improve the lying times by making beds, uh, by managing your bedding better, maybe, uh, by actually leaving cows alone? I mean, I have some areas where we've moved from 3x to 2x milking, and we've really, in a very short time, have not seen much of a drop in milk. But I think part of that problem was that the cows were away from beds and feed for too long a time on the 3x milking. So go and evaluate your barn. I guess that's the take home message I would give to people. Spend some time really observing your cows and say, what can we do to make it better for the cows? Remember, always do what's best for the cow.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Reed, for your time today. As always, it was a pleasure learning from you. We hope everyone listening in enjoyed Dr. Reed's insights and you can join us for our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.